just once again, we're so glad that you are with us. You know, something I wanted to do this morning, uh, because I knew we'd have a lot of guests in the house, you know, just kind of checking things out for the first time. And I, I know when I meet somebody, I don't really know them. I'm like, I don't really know anything about you. And I think it's important to get to know somebody, okay? And so what I want to do, just for uh, three or four minutes here at the beginning, is just help you get a feel for who we are as a church, what we're about. And if you've been around for a while, this is a good reminder to say, this is what we are about, okay? This is what we're about. There are three words that help define. You see it, we had a new sign put out on the front, three words that help describe who we are. The first word is this, it's real, real. We are a church that desires to be real. We are not interested in putting on a show. We're not interested in playing religion, playing fake, and putting a mask on and showing up to a gathering once a week. That's not my interest. One of the things we say around here, one of our core values is that we are going to embrace the struggle, okay? We embrace the struggle of first and foremost life. How many know life ain't perfect, right? Sometimes life's hard, you know, things don't go the way you want it to go. And, and sometimes in, in churches, we like create a culture that says, you got to fake it. You know, just put your mask on and, and show up to church and be a good church person. That's not what we're going to be around here. We are going to be real. You can embrace the struggle of life, all right? But it's more than that. It's embrace the struggle of faith. Because how many know faith ain't always easy? Sometimes it isn't just always getting better. Sometimes you come up against something and it's like you whacked your head on a, on a pole. And you're like, God, I don't know what to do now. I'm, you suddenly are wrestling something you've never wrestled before. You know what? That's okay. I think that if we can embrace the struggle of faith to recognize it's okay, we gotta wrestle this thing sometime. We gotta ask the hard questions. We gotta create a safe space in a church where we can do that in a real manner, right? And that's what we are as a church. Listen, you don't have to come together and pretend like it's all okay. You can come in and say, you know what? I'm struggling in this area. I don't get this. Can we talk about this? Can we pray about this? I believe God's shoulders are broad enough to take our questions and they are tender enough to take our tears. And so no matter what you are facing right now in life, God is okay. He will take it. He will receive you however you are, and he'll lead you from there, okay? Second word we talk about around here is this, life, life. We're going to talk about that. That's actually what our message is about today, but we believe life is found in one place. It's in Christ, and, and we believe around here one of our other core values is that we are gospel-centered, Okay, we're not, a, we're not a religious organization. We aren't this ritualistic institution. No, we are founded on the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the good news of what Jesus has done in the world, right? What he has initiated in the world and what is to come. And so around here, whatever I do, whenever I get to talk, I want to get us to the gospel. I'm not preaching religions. I'm not preaching laws. I am preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we want for you. That's what I want for your kids. That's what I want for your teenager. I don't want just a bunch of good church people. I want people who are passionately sold out and been set free by the good news of Jesus Christ, all right? That's what we're about. Third word around here. Well, actually, before we get that, I, wanna, I just want to mention you. Next week, we're starting a new series. You can bring the graphic up. We're starting a new series called The Gospel, More Than a Life Fest. And we're going to walk through the gospel. And we taught, hear this word gospel. Good news. Okay, good news. All right. Sometimes we think the gospel is just merely a life fest. Oh, it is. But it is so much grander than that. It is so much fuller than that. It is so much more beautiful than even you can imagine. And next Sunday, we're going to kick it off with something you maybe have never thought about this element of the gospel. I don't think you maybe ever have, but I believe it's the most beautiful part of the gospel. And so I encourage you, come be a part of this series. It's, as I say, this is our core value, that we are gospel-centered. We need to know what does that gospel even mean, all right? Third word, though, jump to is this, is together. 
together. We say this around here, another core value is that we don't go to church. You know, we don't attend church. We are the church. You are, if you are a follower of Christ, you are the church. That's great. We gather together as the church on the weekend, but this is not a building. I don't really care about this building. We can go meet in a field over there. It doesn't really matter. We are the church, okay? And so, so together, we do this thing together. This life thing is meant to be lived together in community, caring for one another, being with one another, serving one another, all right? And as we do that in a beautiful way, all of us, look around the room. We're all different. We got different backgrounds, different income levels, you know, different education. But if we can love each other that way, the world looks at that and says, whoa, we don't see that anywhere else. This kind of diversity and yet there's that much unity crazy but it's more than just doing it in this room right because we come together that's great but we together are going to go and be the church to this community we are going to make a difference in this community serving our neighbors serving those less fortunate than us doing whatever we can to allow the kingdom of god to be evident here in this world all right and so this is what we are about as a church and so i would encourage you if you're a new person and you say man that sounds like something that resonates me We'd love for you to be a part of this place, okay? Well, let's go ahead and uh, jump into our message this morning. Quick question for you. How many of you know somebody who can suck the fun out of anything? Anybody know somebody like that? Right? They're just people. They just suck the fun out of stuff, right? Just fun suckers. All right? I saw a button one time, and I kind of want to give this to some people. It says, if I give you a nice big straw, will you go suck the fun out of someone else's day? Right? There, there's just some people that are like that. Like they just have the ability to suck the life out of any room that they walk into. You know, I don't know. It's just sometimes it's the glass is half empty kind of people. Or you ever met these people that, you know, they're unhappy and they're not going to be happy unless you are also unhappy. You know those people, right? And they just kind of drag you down a little bit, you know. And I think if we're all honest, we hate those kind of people. Like it just drives us crazy, right? But here's the deal. Sometimes this is how we view God. Sometimes we, we view God as maybe an image like this. You've seen pictures of God like this, this angry God with a lightning bolt just ready to strike you when you do something wrong, you know? Or like it's a divine game of whack-a-mole. You remember whack-a-mole? Whack-a-mole, things pop up, and it's just God's up there like, ah whack you when you do something wrong. You get out of line, I'll whack you. Like that's, that can be our view of what God is like, you know, this divine wrath wanting to be poured out. Just anyway, just throwing this wrath out. That's what I want. But, but the reality is that that is not the picture that we see of God in Scripture. This, this isn't the picture that, that we desire. And it's this view that we have of God, unfortunately, can have really bad consequences in our life. When we view God as this whack-a-mole kind of God, it, it changes the way we relate to him. It changes our understanding of who he is. And, and this morning, I think we're going to study in a Scripture that's going to help us give a, a stronger understanding of what God is really interested in for you and for me. And not only is it going to help us understand what is this whole Zoe church thing, what is that about anyways, uh, but I think it's going to say what, what does it mean for your life. And I think every single one of us is going to have a very critical decision that we need to make this morning, all right? If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Around here, I'm not interested in, in just preaching my good ideas because I don't have many good ideas, Okay. Uh, I don't get up here every week. I get up and say, okay, let's open the word of God and say, what does God have to say to us, okay? If you ever forget a Bible, we've got Bibles at the back of the room. You can always borrow one. If you don't own a Bible, we want you to have a Bible. So that's our gift to you. You just take one off the table, write your name in it. That is our gift to you, okay? 
Um, But would you stand with me as we're going to read our primary text here this morning? Nothing sacred about standing. It's just our tradition around here, just to honor God's word. John chapter 10, beginning in verse number 7, says this, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is true. It is firm. It is a foundation, a rock that we can stand on. And we thank you for that, Lord. And God, I pray this morning, amidst all the, the hubbub and the fun and the launch and all that kind of stuff, God, God I, don't, I don't really care about any of that kind of stuff, God. What I care is that you would speak to us today. And so, God, I pray for every person in this room that our ears would be opened and that we would, even me, God, I want to hear from you. God, may our hearts be receptive to what you want to say to us and may we walk out of this place different. We pray that all in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Well, Whenever we look at scripture, the most important question we got to start with is, what's the context? What's the context? Because we can get some really screwy ideas when we don't look at the context of a verse, all right? And so what's going on right here is that Jesus is interacting with a group of Pharisees, these Pharisees and religious leaders. And the Pharisees were kind of the leaders of the day. They were the ones who everybody looked to when it came to spiritual stuff. They had it all together, right? And they were super religious. They had all of their rules, their rituals, their traditions, all these things, even beyond what God had ever asked them to do. They had all this extra stuff that they had added on. And, and if you were here last Sunday, we talked about this. Jesus gave, had a problem with me. Why? He said, listen, you guys do all this stuff out here, but your hearts are far from me, Like. Right? You're doing all the ritual stuff. Yeah, you, you went to church. You did the cool. But your hearts are far from me. And so Jesus is talking to these leaders here when he confronts them. And, and the reality is these religious leaders, these Pharisees, they were leading people in their way of doing things, right? They were leading them in their way. And what Jesus says is he calls those leaders thieves. He says these guys are thieves. They, why, why does he say that? Because they were robbing people from the truth. They were leading people into their own thoughts and perspectives. They were not leading people into the truth of who God is. And it was more than just simply stealing. Jesus says this, what you're leading these people leads to their own very death and destruction. Like you are destroying their lives by how you are leading them. Whenever Jesus talked about people, talked like people, people in the story, people like us, he always referred to us as sheep, Okay? And it's kind of offensive because sheep are dumb, all right? But if you think about your own life, (laughs) just be real. Like, sometimes we're dumb. Like, sometimes we don't do the right thing, okay? I I think about this specifically with men. Women, you can can just kind of, you'll know what I'm talking about, okay? Men, we're stupid men because we just do dumb things. It starts at a young age, okay? I have, I told you, I got two kids. I got a seven and a nine-year-old. I got two boys. They can convince each other to do just about anything, right? (laughs) And then when I talk to them after, they're like, guys, why did you do this? They're like, uh, I don't know. This wasn't a good idea. Yeah, you're right. You know, like, okay. Like, let's not do this, guys. Okay, but it doesn't stop with children. Because, man, you know, you went to high school and you went to college. And, you know, in the dorm rooms, guys just convinced guys to do stupid things, you know. And it doesn't end there. Because I saw this picture one time. Maybe you've seen this online before. Picture of these two guys. He's, 
that crack's about to get bigger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Guys are stupid. Like, we just do dumb things. Like, do we think sometimes? No, we don't always think, but that's fine. Women, you're not off the hook because we all can do dumb things right time. The, the reality is, the truth is that you and I can get pulled in the wrong direction very easily. We can get swayed in the wrong direction very easily. We all have thieves in our lives. Oh, it might not be the Pharisees, right? It might not be those religious leaders, but we all have thieves in our life that are attempting to pull us, you know, voices that will lead us as sheep in the wrong direction. What are some of those voices? For some of you, that voice is a voice of a family member. You got family that they're always speaking something into your life, always speaking something in your life. And when you listen to that voice, you know it's taking you the wrong direction. For some of you, that voice is a friend. You all got that friend? Like when you want to have a good time, you call that friend up because you're going to go do something stupid and crazy, Right? But you know in the end that's leading to death and destruction. You know it, but you keep listening to that voice, right? Uh, for some of you, it's, it's the voice of career. You know, it's great. You're working hard, but you know every time you've made a choice listening to your career and say, this is going to be good for my career, you know that it's left the path of destruction behind you in your relationships. Sometimes the voice is culture, right? We live in a culture that's really strong, that's shooting at us all the time, right? Speaking into us, telling how things need to be, Right? When we listen to that voice of culture, sometimes that can lead us in the wrong direction. Maybe it's a voice of addiction. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know if it's drugs, if it's alcohol, cigarettes, you know. I don't, I don't know what it is. Could it, could it be gambling? Could it be pornography? I'm not sure what that voice is. You listen to that voice. Oh, you don't, you don't talk about it. <laughs> you hide that in a closet somewhere. But, but you know you keep going back to that closet and listening to that voice. And it's leading to destruction for you in your life, leading you the wrong direction. Sometimes that voice is the voice of regrets. Have you ever done something you wish you didn't do? You're like, can I undo that one? Right? And we have these voices of regrets because of past mistakes. And we keep listening to that and it's gnawing at us and it causes us to, to be just stuck where we are and it leads to our own demise. Maybe it's a, a voice of bitterness. Some of you have been really, really hurt by somebody. You were hurt by a parent. You were hurt by a family member. You were hurt by a friend. You were abused in some way. And, and I feel horrible that if that would take place to anyone. But here's the reality. When we experience that hurt and that bitterness grows in our heart, unfortunately for us, instead of doing anything to that other person, it leads to our own destruction. Destroys us. Are you listening to that voice? Maybe you listen to the voice of just another relationship or maybe just simply the distractions of life. Just life is distracting us in different areas, taking us in different ways, right? And we're not listening to the voice of God. And as a result, whatever that thing is, it leads us down the wrong path. I don't know what it is, but here's the deal. Satan, the enemy of our soul, will use any voice he possibly can to lead you to the point of stealing, killing, and destroying your very life. What voices are you listening to? Some of you walked in the door this morning because you're, you're living that death right now. In your own life, oh, you're not physically dead, but you feel dead inside. You've gone through a tough season. That's why you walked in the door. You're like, I got to go somewhere. I don't know. There's a new place. Sure, I'll walk in the door. Guess what? I'm glad you're here. Because as you look at Scripture, Jesus says that the thief wants to rob you, but Jesus came for a different reason. Okay? Over and over in Scripture, Scripture talks about the fact that if we want to know what God is like, we need to look at one person, Jesus. 
Jesus. In fact, Paul, some of you have heard of Paul, St. Paul, whatever it is. St. Paul, he was a guy, he was a Pharisee. He was one of those guys, he did all the religious things, he followed all the rules, did all that kind of stuff, and he hated Christians. In fact, he was trying to kill all of the Christians, right? He was trying to snuff out this thing called Christianity. But what happened to him? He came face to face with a resurrected Jesus. Face to face. Somebody didn't preach a good sermon, okay? Somebody didn't convince him. Somebody didn't say, hey, this would be a good idea. You should follow Jesus. No, he came face to face with the resurrected Jesus, and he completely transformed. He turned 180 degrees from trying to kill the Christians to being the greatest missionary the world maybe has ever seen. And when Paul talks about this Jesus, what does he say? He said, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, which means this. When we see and when we perceive Jesus, what are we looking at? We are looking at God himself. Whatever Jesus came to do is a revelation of the very heart of God, all right? And so, what did Jesus come to do? Hear this. He did not come to suck the fun out of your life. That wasn't his goal. I know it might be shocking for some of you. He didn't come to whack you over the head. That's not his goal. Jesus makes it very clear what is his hope for your life. All right, look at what is it said in John 10, 10. It says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I, being Jesus, I have come that they may have life, that they may have life. And this word life is a word you might be familiar with. It's this word, zoe. Say it with me, zoe, zoe, okay? Zoe is a word for life. Now, there's different words for life in the Bible, Okay? There are some words that have to do with your physical, your biological body. There's some words like that. Uh, there's another word in Greek for the a psychological understanding of who you are, that, that word for life. You see, zoe, in the Greek, zoe is, is a totally different word. It, it's not your everyday average version of life. In fact, it's used uh, very differently by the Apostle John specifically. And anytime John walked with Jesus, he was with Jesus all the time, and, and he talked about this. Look at what, the, what it says in John chapter 1, verse 4. It says this, in him was Zoe, and that Zoe was the light of all mankind. It goes on, most familiar verse you've ever heard in your life, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting Zoe. That's what that word is in Greek. And so you say, what is this Zoe? Zoe is not your average. It doesn't mean you're not dead, okay? It doesn't mean, oh, I just have breath in my lungs. No, Zoe is absolute fullness of life, life that is real and genuine, spiritual life that is both now and forever. That is the life that God desires for you. But Jesus doesn't stop there because look what it says in the, the rest of verse 10. Go on in, in John 10. 10 says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full have it to the full. What is that phrase? It literally means in excess, more than enough, over and above, abundance. That's the word. How many of you like Thanksgiving meal? <laughs> Sorry. See, we have this service a little bit earlier so you're not too hungry when, when we have church here, but I love Thanksgiving meal, okay? But I call Thanksgiving meal a top button kind of meal, you know what I'm saying? Just got to pop that top button because I'm going to eat a lot, all right? <laughs> right? I love Thanksgiving. Why? Because you know there's an abundance. There is more than extra, excess. That's what it is. And that's what Jesus' desire for your life and for mine is, right? His desire is that we would have abundance. Jesus is just painting this picture. He says, listen, listen. 
The thief, he wants to steal, kill, destroy. That's what. It might look good right now. Like, I get it. It looks good. It sounds enticing. It seems like the right thing. Like, it makes sense to your mind. But here's the deal. It's going to lead to death. Like, that's where you're headed. You might not see it right now, but that's, that's where you are heading. And, and that's not actually what I want for your life. You know, God doesn't want to rob from you. Actually, what God wants to do is save you so that you can actually experience the joy he had for you. Jesus says this, I have come that they may have zoe, the complete, full, abundant, eternal, spiritual life that is only available through me. That's what I want for your life. I'm not sucking the fun out of your life. I'm trying to bring life to your soul, okay? That is what Jesus is interested in, okay? And we can seek life. Like, we all want life. We want to feel that fullness. We want to sense that we're in the right place. But unfortunately, oftentimes, we look in the wrong places. We look at our kids, you know. We live vicariously through our children, through our grandkids. That's where, hey, I love that. I love my kids. But I better not be finding my life from them. Because <laughs> some days, they do dumb things. And they frustrate me. And if my life isn't them, I'm in, I'm in trouble, Right? But we look through it in other areas. We might look in money. We might look in influence. We might look in our cure. We try to find all of this life in something else. But Jesus says, I want you to experience the Zoe life that you were made for. The joy, the peace, the hope, all of that. I want to satisfy the deepest yearnings of your very heart. I want to give you this Zoe, and it is found in only one place. In Jesus. In Jesus. Jesus made it clear. One verse. John 11 says this, I am the resurrection and the zoe. He didn't say, I kind of got it in my back pocket here, right? I got a little storehouse of zoe off to the side. No, he said, listen, I am. I am the life. You want to experience the life? You want to experience the fullness that you were designed for, you were created, the deepest longing of your heart? You want that? We all want that. I don't want to live life feeling like I'm empty inside. Guess what? You want it? It's in Jesus. That's it. You can look anywhere else. Find it. Any, try anywhere else. You will not find the Zoe life you were created to receive. So what? All right. So what? So what? around here when I teach, I always want to have a very clear point. I don't want you to ever leave this building and say, what in the world was he just talking about? Okay. So we always have a big so what. Here's the big so what for this morning. It's simply this. Life or death is yours to choose. Life or death is yours to choose. Question, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Which voice are you choosing to live? Which voice are you choosing to respond to? Because that makes a determination of where you're heading. Listen, there's thieves out there that want to speak into your life, that want to lead you the wrong direction, and there's the voice of God calling you to something better. Who are you going to listen to? We can listen to the voices that, that are trying to compel us, and the reality is they sound good for a while, but they aren't leading us the right place. But Jesus says, listen, if you keep listening to those voices, you are sucking on a faucet that is about to run dry. You're trying to get your life in an area that is not going to last. Listen, it's going to end in your very destruction, but I've come that you may have true, spiritual, eternal, zoe life in me. There's one verse that I want to close with this morning, and this is a verse, I'm just going to be honest with all of you. This is one of those verses that's probably not super politically correct, okay? This is one of those verses that maybe 
maybe people don't want to hear. And I get it. So to be honest, when I talk to some people, I, I don't necessarily want to say this verse. You know what I'm saying? But this is the truth. This is what Je- when Jesus talked, and we're going to say Jesus is a great teacher. Well, he ain't a great teacher if he says this, and it ain't true, okay? Jesus said this in John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the Zoe. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, there's a lot of other philosophies out there. There's a lot of other thoughts that can lead to a good life, that can lead you to a a nice life here, can lead to good social interactions, can lead to those things, and that's great. But Jesus didn't give us another option when it comes to coming to the Father and receiving this Zoe life. He says, there's only one way. It's through me. That's it. And so... So this morning, I come to you not because I, yeah, you know, I want to just tell you what to do. I want to humbly say, Jesus talked about this. He makes it available for you. The question is, how are we going to respond? How are we going to respond? Are we going to respond by saying, no, I don't want that. I want to listen to the other voices. That's our choice. We get to make that choice. He doesn't, Jesus didn't come and say, I'm going to force anything on you. He came as a suitor trying to say, no, I'm going to. I'm going to lay my very life down for you. I want you to know how much I passionately love you. And some of you walked in this morning and nobody, nobody cares about you. You feel like nobody loves you. You feel like I'm just, I'm alone in this world. Nobody, listen, that could not be further from the truth. There is a God in heaven who desperately loves you. He loves you so intimately, so deeply that he was willing to send his one and only son into this world to give his very life for you. Why? Because there was a brokenness in you. There was a, there was a brokenness called sin that, that had separated you from his love. And God knows the greatest joy of your life is when you can be in relationship with him. Because that's what you were made for. He says, listen, I love you that much. I'm willing to make the way. I will die and resurrect for your life. All we have to do as followers is to say, all right, I give up. I give up. I give up my right to to do things my way. I give up my right to say I am my savior because we all like to save ourselves. Listen, we have to get to the point where we say, you know what? I'm not my own savior. I'm going to turn my eyes to you, Jesus. I'm going to trust you to do what I cannot do for myself. And I'm not just going to do it at one point. I'm going to do this day after day to trust in you, to rely on you as my savior because you are the way. You are the truth. You are the zoe. You are that. And God, I'm not going to, I can suck on the faucets anywhere else, but I'm going to run dry. I am looking to you, Jesus. You are where my help comes from. You are where my hope is for every one of us. This, this is why we are Zoe Church. We're not here to proclaim ourselves. We're here to proclaim the life of Jesus. Listen, we're not Zoe Church because we are better than other people. We aren't more spiritual. We aren't smarter. We don't got our junk together. Here's the deal. We're just a bunch of people that have received the real life that comes through Jesus, and we got to share it with the world, okay? That's who we are as a church. And so some of you walked in the door this morning, and you're a follower of Christ. You would say, yes, I follow Jesus. I trust in Jesus. All right. But as I talk, you recognize, you know what? I've been listening to some of the wrong voices. I've been listening to some of the wrong voices, and I realize it's taken me the wrong direction. And this morning, I need to reaffirm and say, God, I want to come back to listening to your voice. I want to listen to your hope, your life. 
So I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that in a moment. For others of you, you've walked in the room this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You didn't know there was a life beyond what you are experiencing right now. And I want you to hear this. It is the greatest decision you will ever make in your life. Oh, it's not easy. Just ask the person next to you, it ain't easy. Faith ain't easy always. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes right now it's just like eating your vegetables. Sometimes you don't want to eat your vegetables, but you know it's good. In the end, it's going to result in life. Guess what? Giving your life for Christ is the greatest thing you will ever do. You will experience the full, eternal, abundant life that comes no other place. But it takes you saying, God, I lay myself down. I don't just, I don't just receive you as my Savior. I make you my Lord. I make you my King. I, I get myself off the throne and I put you on the throne. That's what it means to give your life to Jesus. And when you do that, you receive something that no paycheck will ever buy, no relationship could ever buy, the hope of new life in Christ, all right? When I was younger, I was, uh, went on a trip to Hawaii and we were doing, I'm, I'm from Chicago, so I don't know the ocean real well. So I would go boogie boarding and we go out boogie boarding and I'm doing these little waves, you know, no big deal, boogie boarding, this is cool, I think I'm pretty awesome, you know. Me and my dad get this crazy idea, we heard about these cool waves down the block, right? And so we go and we, we go check out the waves and when we pull up, you can see the big waves are coming, like these are, yeah, and they're like people surfing, I'm like, oof, okay. We go out there and we start walking out, again, I'm an amateur here and we see they got the flag up that says the undertow is bad, you know. You should listen to that flag. <laughs> case you're wondering okay so I get out and and I go out in the ocean I swim out there and I catch my first like this is like a man-sized wave right and we get on the wave super cool this is gonna be fun right we go I go for a couple seconds and all of a sudden my board flips right and I get under the water and all that undertow just starts sucking down and it's pushing and my back is on the sand the board is above me the water's pushing down and I can't do anything you know I'm stuck. Now, it felt like an eternity. I'm sure it was just a few seconds, but I literally, I'm like that panic mode, like, I got nothing. Like, I can push as hard as I can. It's not enough. That's the place we need to get to before God. Say, God, yep, I can't do it. And if we will humbly get to that position and lay ourselves down, he will do what you could never do for yourself. Would you bow your heads, cross the room, close your eyes. God, we thank you so much.